0: It is a uh, rich blessing for Shirley and me to worship God with you this Lord's Day and to reconnect with uh, some of you that we've known from years past, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, to also meet most of you uh, that are new to me, to meet you for the first time. Most of you, God has brought here to worship and serve Him in and through the ministries of Old Peachtree Presbyterian Church since we were here last. For me personally, it's a special honor and blessing to represent God before you this morning, to stand behind this sacred desk where you're accustomed to strong biblical preaching. And uh, I want to tell you that God has and is richly blessing you by giving you such an outstanding pastor as Alan Johnson. Uh, Strong in the pulpit, strong in pastoral care. I regard your pastor, Alan Johnson, as one of the princes in the Presbyterian Church in America. There's an old... Song from the 1930s, few of you are old enough to remember it, it said, <clears throat> Hug him in the morning, kiss him every night, give him plenty loving, because a good man's hard to find. And so you love on your pastor and on his lovely wife, Barbara. It's been almost nine years to the day since I. That opportunity to minister the word here at Old Peachtree Presbyterian Church. On that occasion, the fifth day of July, the year of our Lord, 1998, I preached on the title Declaration of Dependence. Not Declaration of Independence, but Declaration on Dependence. And the focus was not on the Declaration of Independence, which was signed in 1776, but rather our focus was on God and our own personal dependence upon Him, on our all-gracious, our all-merciful, our all-faithful, our all-loving God. This morning, I want our focus to still be on God, our all-faithful, our our, all-gracious, our all-loving God. But also in addition to his faithfulness, to our faithfulness, or lack thereof. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 10. And as you're turning, I want to tell you the powerful witness you are to me and to my wife this morning. As Elder Jack Uh, Read the Old Testament and New Testament readings and also the call to worship. He called you to turn in your Bibles. And I looked around and I saw how many of you bring your Bibles. Praise God. I'm going to be reading from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 10. From the New International Version, I perceive that perhaps you all are using the English Standard Version. Is that correct? By way of background, Jesus is sending his twelve disciples into the world. A world very much like the world in which we live today. Picking up at verse 16, this is the Word of God. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They'll hand you over to the local councils, and they'll flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking But the Spirit of your Father will be speaking through you. Brothers will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Then dropping down to verse 26. So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Here's the verse, verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But, whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Pray with me, please. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God. Our Lord, our King, our Redeemer. Amen. I repeat Jesus' words as Matthew records them. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge also him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Whoever acknowledges me before men? Question Do you acknowledge Jesus before men at school? in the workplace, in the neighborhood, around the family table, or when you have extended family gatherings, when you go to visit family, and it's the Lord's Day, do you all go to church or do you decide to chill out because after all there's some of the folks in the family that don't go to church and we don't want to make an issue, we want to keep the peace, Does your life and do your lips testify to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life? That's the question I have to ask myself daily, moment by moment. Again, the words of Jesus. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Well, that's certainly fair, isn't it? I mean, as I go about my life day by day and acknowledge Jesus as who He is, King of kings, Lord of lords, my Savior. As I acknowledge Him before the world, He acknowledges me before my Father in heaven. That calls for hallelujah. But you have to be careful here. This is not a quid pro quo arrangement. This for that. Jesus is not saying, if you will acknowledge me before men, then I will acknowledge you before my Father. No, 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 no. That would be works righteousness. In other words, if I will confess Jesus here on earth, then I get a free ticket. No, no. That's not what he's saying at all. Jesus is saying, your acknowledgement of me is before men, before the world, is evidence of your relationship with me. And on the basis of that relationship that you and I have, I'll testify before my Father. Ah. And conversely, your unwillingness To acknowledge me as your Lord before the world, before your fellow employees, before your boss, before your classmates or your teammates or your friends, your unwillingness to acknowledge me as your Lord before the world is evidence of your lack of real relationship with me. And also testify to my Father in heaven. Now, is anyone here uncomfortable with that relationship? I mean, we acknowledge Jesus is Lord before the world, wherever, whenever we have the opportunity, and He acknowledges before the, before the Father, they're mine. I died for them. Father, I paid the penalty for them. Uh, They're washed with my blood. Uh, You have justified them. You have clothed them with my righteousness having taken their sin and put it on me on Calvary's cross. Everybody comfortable with that? Good. Good. Well, Jesus, just in case His... Well, disciples were confused about this re- arrangement. Just before he ascended back to the Father, he told them one more time. Dr. Luke uh, records this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Turn with me please to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now the immediate context is Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Judas has gone out and hanged himself. So there are 11 disciples there and Jesus is speaking to them the last words and through them to you and to me. But you will receive power. The Greek word there is dunamis from which we get the word dynamite. Jesus said you'll receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus again. You will receive power. You will be My witnesses. not, you may receive power, or you may... Be my witnesses. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses. Question. Do you have Holy Spirit power? Do you have Holy Spirit dynamite in your life? If you're a true Christian, you've got that power. Don't quench it. Let it loose. Let the world see that power. Power. I'm not going to ask you, are you a witness? Because if you're a Christian, you are a witness. The question is, what kind of witness are you? Are you a good witness? Are you a faithful witness? Are you a true witness? Are you a willing witness? Are you an eager witness to let the world see what God has done in your life and what He's doing in your life. And then are you ready to tell others how they can find Jesus too? The aged Apostle Peter late in his life gives us instructions on how we can be ready. How we can be ready to be a good witness. Turn over with me. Back to the back of your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. In 1 Peter, the apostle is giving instructions. uh, Giving instructions to children. Giving instructions to wives. Giving instructions to husbands. Giving instructions to slaves. Then in verse 15, he says to all of us, But in your hearts, let's personalize it. Take the yes off. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Why? why would people at work or people at school or friends or neighbors or family why would they ask you the reason for the hope that you have well they're only inclined to ask you if they see the hope if they see that you're different christians are countercultural the world is anxious and uptight and unglued. And Christians have a peace. Not peace because they've got their head in the sand, but the peace that Jesus promises. The prom- peace that Jesus says, the peace I give, not as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Does the world see that peace and that hope in you? Well, Peter tells us how, as Christians, we can have that. He says, In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Hmm. That's pretty radical. Time for a heart check. Question number three. Insofar as you know your own heart, have you and are you setting Christ apart as Lord. Is Jesus Christ absolute Lord over each and every aspect of your life? Over your family? Over your relationships with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your siblings? over your relationships at work or at school? Have you consciously and are you consciously making the choice that not my will, thy will, that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, that you have set Jesus on the throne of your heart? And are you prepared to give answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that's within you? To explain to others why I'm different? To explain to others your relationship to God through Jesus and how they can know the Father through the Son as well? day after tomorrow we celebrate what's come to be known as Independence Day, a national holiday. You probably see it on television or the media, hopefully maybe around the family circle you'll get out that document, your copy of the Declaration of Independence, those familiar words that many of us memorized as, as students That Declaration of Independence, signed the fourth day of July, 1776, was signed by 58 men. 52 of them, by the way, happened to profess to be Christians. But at the end of the document, before they put their signatures to the document, they pledged, for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledged to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They were faithful. And most of them lost their fortunes. And many of them lost their lives. But insofar as historians know, none of them lost their sacred honor. They were faithful. Christian musician Keith Green has a song that he's made famous and one of my favorites. Find us faithful. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road, and those who've gone before us line the way, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary, their lives a stirring testament to God's unsustaining grace. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race. Not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. Then the chorus Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone, and our children sift through all we've left behind, may the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light That leads them to the road we each must find. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way, and may the footsteps, footprints that we leave, lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Can you sing that? I can sing that. That's an expression of my heart desire that those who come behind me find me faithful. That our children and our grandchildren and those who have watched my life uh, during the time that I've been a Christian some 40 plus years, may they... Find me faithful. Faithful to those who come behind us, yes. But faithful to him who died in our place, yes. 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 Six quick applications. Number one, Believe, trust God. Take His Word as His Word and hide it in your heart and trust Him. Believe that He speaks to you through His Word and by His Spirit. Trust God. Number two, if you've not done so, receive Jesus as who He is. King of kings, Lord of lords, God in human flesh. The Apostle John, in the Gospel which bears his name, in chapter 1, verse 12, writes, Yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. In one of the three letters at the end of the New Testament that bears the Apostle John's name, 1 John, in chapter 5, Under inspiration of the Spirit, John writes, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Two categories of people, not male and female, but those who have the Son who have life and those who do not have the Son of God who do not have eternal life. I plead with you this morning, if you know that you have never bowed the knee of your heart and opened your heart to receive Jesus as King of kings and Lord of your life, I urge you, I plead with you to do it now. If you're not certain. Yeah, when I was a teenager, I joined the church, but it's been a long time. I don't really know that I'm in a saving relationship with the Lord. Settle it right now. Receive Jesus as who He is. Believe In his name, and become a child of God. Number three, once you know Jesus, stay tight with Jesus. Don't wander off, don't go lollygagging off the path. Stay tight with Jesus, spend time with Jesus, talk with Jesus, spend time in the Word every day. Preferably first thing in the morning. Set Christ apart in your heart as Lord. Number four, don't sin by silence. I think most of us are naturally people pleasers. We want the world and particularly those around us and our friends to think well of us We know that when we talk about God, that's sort of neutral. But when we start talking about Jesus, uh, some people get uncomfortable and sort of back away. I'm not advocating that you get a handful of tracts and go out here to to Home Depot and run up to people and stick a tract in their nose and say, Hey, brother, are you saved? I'm not saying that. That's not what the text says. The text says... Be ready. Be ready to answer people and give them the reason for the hope that's in you. When they come and say, Why are you different? You got something. I'm not sure what it is, but you got something, and what you got, I want. Don't sin by silence. Number five, by your life and by your lips, always be ready. To tell everyone why you love Jesus and how he or she can love him too. Number six. Now let's do it. Let's do it. In a few moments, you're going to leave and go into the fellowship hall and going to have fellowship luncheon. Let's hear the God stories. Let's share around the table what God is doing in your life. Then, encouraged and built up and emboldened, let's go into the world. Change the world for Jesus as His power works in us. Amen? Amen. I want to hear that again. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Father God, we confess that we are often intimidated by the world. Because we don't have all the answers. Because we're not theologians. Because we're not evangelists. Because someone might ask me a question about God and I don't know what I'd say because if I talk about Jesus, I might get in trouble. Father, our Lord Jesus told us to be of good courage, to not be afraid, to not worry about what we're to say, because at the time necessary, the Holy Spirit will put the words in our mouths. Father, you don't call us to be eloquent. You call us to be faithful. O God, we do not want to sin and deny Christ by being fearful and by being silent. And so in humble reliance upon Holy Spirit power, we here commit. To go where you'd have us to go. To do what you'd have us to do. To say what you would have us to say. And to be what you'd have us to be for your glory and the praise of your name and the extension of Christ's kingdom around the globe we pray in his strong name Amen